Welcome to this episode of Blue Tiger Suit. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about probably one of the more front-facing parts of the fandom, uh, something that the media has regularly talked about, something that's the butt end of most jokes that I've seen about furries, and that would be the furry convention part of the fandom. Um, I would like to preface this with saying you can be a furry and not attend furry conventions. That is not a requirement to being a part of the fandom. You don't have to say, oh darn, I didn't get my punch card checked for going to this year's furry conventions. Um, there's no obligation to do so. Some people don't feel comfortable attending these, uh, but maybe furries and maybe very heavily involved in the fandom. Um, other people, they attend as many as they possibly can because it, they they have friends that they see or they're, they, they, they enjoy socializing. Um, some, some people fly all around the world to these and attend them pretty regularly. Uh, but I'd like to talk a little bit about what you can expect to find at a convention, what you might know about a convention that may not necessarily be true, um, clearing up some misconceptions there, what some of the panels look like, uh, some personal experiences that I've had at a convention, um, and then overall kind of what the structure looks like, uh, how they're similar, how they're dissimilar to some of the other conventions that you may or may not have attended, uh, some other notable conventions here in the U.S. So I'd like to start with saying that these conventions can be found all over the world. Uh, the ones here in North America are found in some of the prominent cities. No, um, thinking of the one in Boston, uh, there's some in Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, there's some in uh, Connecticut, that's Pine Furcon. Uh, there's some in Southern California. They take place in Vancouver. Uh, that one's actually called Vancouver. Go figure. They, they like their play on words. Um, but there are also some in some other prominent cities scattered around the globe. Um, I don't want to speak to those because I, I haven't done enough research into those, but you can pretty much find a furry convention on every continent uh, imaginable. So these conventions will attract anywhere from a few hundred furries to several thousand. Uh, like some of the bigger ones in, in Pittsburgh will attract several thousands and thousands of attendees. Uh, some of the other conventions, if they're just starting up and they're a little bit smaller, uh, might only attract a few hundred, um, which there's nothing wrong there. Um, they might just run less panels, they might use less space, but the ones in Pittsburgh are so prominently placed that they actually are a fixture of the city every single year. Um, they are a staple event that happens annually. Uh, furry conventions will happen usually every year. It would be I, I haven't heard of any conventions that happen uh, twice a year, but uh, I think you're the one out in Chicago, that's Midwest Fur Fest, that happens in December. Uh, the one in Pittsburgh um, happens uh, annually in July. The one in Boston locally here usually happens around February or March. Um, I just gave you that calendar if you want to avoid those cities or if you want to go to those cities during that time. <laughs> Um, hopefully after this podcast you'll be interested and might find yourself in one of those cities during that period of time to at least have an external view and to see what it looks like. So I'd like to talk a little bit uh, about the convention itself. So I've been to two furry conventions uh, run by the same organization, Anthro New England in Boston uh, over the past couple of years. 
And then uh, I've also been to PAX East a couple of times uh, in Boston. Um, I'm here on the North Shore of Boston, so these are just my local conventions. And um, I was actually really surprised to see how similar the structure was at Anthony New England to what it was at PAX. Uh, PAX stands for the Penny Arcade Expo. It is a content creators convention, uh, not specifically for furries by any means. Uh, you'll, you'll find organizations like Nintendo and Microsoft there talking about their next releases, and you'll, you'll see panels about game creation and different things like that. Um, but essentially, you will... Um, see a lot of similarities to the to the furry convention itself um these conventions have a similar structure when it comes to uh panels they have a similar a similar structure when they have the bigger gatherings they use kind of similar setups in that regard um the structure is very much the same the only difference with the furry convention that you might find right off the bat is some of the panels might be more dedicated towards anthro uh, you might see panels for specific species meet and greets. Um, I think probably the funniest thing that I saw uh, at a convention schedule was uh, there was the cheetahs and there was the snow leopards meeting up. And the snow leopards had, cra had set up on the schedule that they were going to be crashing the cheetah meet and greet. And they put in the description, this is totally not the snaps, which is what they're called the snow leopards. This is, this is totally not the, the, the snaps crashing the chi panel. And uh, I, I just, if you don't attend a convention, at least look at the schedule, because it's hilarious to see what these people do. Um, they're, they're really, really funny, and I feel like you'll get a kick out of it. But you might have some species meet and greets. You might also have some STEM panels. Furries are really, really into STEM. Um, a lot of prominent furs have actually uh, helped with work on the COVID vaccine. Um, I think of Gail and Strobes, uh, a couple of great furs that I just met uh, a couple weeks ago for an interview, and they are both engineers. They're both very, very skilled in their field. Uh, I think of Uncle Kage, who is actually, uh, he has a PhD in chemistry. When I met up with him, he's like, well, technically I'm still on the clock and uh, working in the lab right now. And uh, <laughs> he, he met with me on his lunch break to do uh, some interviewing. and. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a very, very prominent chemist. He, he, he went to uh, Dartmouth, actually. So a lot of these furries are very heavily involved in STEM. So it's not, it's not uncommon to see a few STEM panels where it's, it's a STEM meet and greet. They're, they're talking about science, technology. Uh, I forget what the E stands for. Science, technology. It'll come to me. Uh, and mathematics. So I think of my good friend, uh, Lifrin, who is very, uh, very, very good at math. He loves math. He is way smarter than me when it comes to math. And uh, he, he would likely be found at one of these STEM panels. You also have panels for uh, learning more about specialized topics that might be related to anthro. Um, I think of a convention panel that I attended where they were talking about anthro in... Uh, in, in, in movies, they were actually talking about Jurassic, and a lot of these furries love, love the uh, uh, kaigu monsters, they love the Godzilla monsters, they love Jurassic, they love dinosaurs, they love these big scary beasts. Um, and for that panel, they were talking a little bit about the history that, that had been seen throughout the ages. Uh, another panel that I attended was talking about gaming not related to furry at all. It was just talking about uh, old Nintendo and some of the uh, cheats and coding and different things that had been done in the gaming evolution of Nintendo over the past decade. Um, going to a furry convention does not mean that you have to attend only furry panels. Um, 
there's several panels that are non-relational to the convention but are specialized interests that people who are furries may be interested in uh, there's definitely a lot of nerd based panels as you might find at PAX um, but another panel that you'll see which is very specific to the convention um, I've, I've seen other conventions hold these type of things but not necessarily in the way that furries do it's pretty much guaranteed to see this uh, is a sketchbook swap so I attend one of these with my good friend Artie and we uh, it was it was after hours. I was I was waiting on my train to get back uh, into North Shore, and uh, Artie said, "Hey, you should you should come to the sketchbook swap and see how it functions." And a sketchbook swap basically uh, a lot of furries that are into the art side of the fandom will keep a sketchbook uh, filled with very uh, furry related drawings. Uh, furry has a very distinct art style, and you'll go and you'll drop your uh, sketchbook off at the at the table at the front, and then. Uh, you might take another sketchbook that's up there and you might doodle in it uh, for someone else and if they've written a request hi i love this type of species you, you might find someone doodling in your sketchbook with that type of species if you don't leave anything you, you might get some surprises in there um it's, it's it's a really really fun way to connect with people a really really fun way to show off your art it's a good art-based exercise um, I cannot do art. <laughs> um, I was just kind of there for the ride to see how it functioned. Um, but you do have those art panels. Something else that you'll see at conventions, kind of universally, is you'll see some form of a of uh, a large room with a lot of tables set up where people are selling things. You, you know, d different artists, different creators selling something. I've, I've seen this at PAX several times. Um, my goodness i just thought of that dice table that i saw they they, they had like eight thousand dollar meteorite dice um at, at pax i also saw dice towers i saw cards i saw games i saw you name it and it's there in this giant room with several hundred vendors uh, but furry is something very similar so they have what's called a dealer's den um that, that doesn't mean anything crazy it's just very similar to pax where they have a bunch of artists or creators set up at tables where they might have uh they, they might be selling some art or they might be selling um i i looking at a mouse pad that i got there once um it's a, it's a, it's a gorgeous tiger mouse pad uh they they might sell specifically at the free convention um i i think of this one table that had like soaps and uh, candles and different things like that, just kind of like smell-related things, and uh, you could get that to wash your fursuit with, or if you liked a certain scent, you could take it home and, you know, light a candle. Um, but I think of another table where they have, uh, you can actually buy fursuits uh, in these in these rooms, or parts of fursuits, or hi, I need a tail, I need a new tail, or something like that. You can commission artists, um, so they also have a different uh, section at a furry convention called, Art called Artist Alley. That is specifically for artists. You go and you say, hi, I would like this commissioned. And some will actually do it right there. Some will um, you know, draw it up for you and be like, hey, come back at the end of the day and it'll be ready to go. Um, and some other artists, you take their card and you say, hi, let's work on this. And I'd like to, I'd like to commission you for a piece. Um, you can get anything drawn from badges to uh, color, not color, sketches, really kind of whatever you want in terms of art. Uh, really, really useful for people like me who have zero art capabilities and have this thought of what my persona should look like, but I don't feel capable of drawing it. So I've connected with people before to be like, hi, can you please draw Stormy? This is what Stormy looks like. This is how Stormy acts. This is uh, how I like Stormy to look. 
and they're like sure come back at the end of the day and you know we'll have a picture of stormy and that's that's how that works um i will touch briefly on what you all are probably thinking right now is what about the sexual kinky stuff at these you know vendors and yes that is present absolutely um it would be ignorant of me to say that there's not something for everyone there and i say everyone uh with implication uh, but they do a very good job of kind of partitioning that off they have a a very specific uh roped off kind of veiled off area where they say hey if you want to look into some of this crazier stuff here you can just show us an id they're very very good about that you cannot enter that area unless you're over 18 uh, because they don't for liability reasons of course but also because they just they they want to keep what's wholesome wholesome and they you know some people that don't want the wholesome stuff they they want to make sure that that's that, that, that they're able to do so safely um but yes they do have some of the unwholesome stuff at these conventions but i think similar to uh and this isn't at every school but uh at, at my school at least if you're not looking for partying you won't find it so and i kind of think that there's a similar principle to uh at a fair convention if you're looking for the weird stuff you'll find it if you're looking for the unwholesome stuff you'll find it if you're not you may brush up against some of it but you certainly are not it's 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 not always in your face um not, uh, not only is it not always in your face um i think more often than not if you just kind of stay in your lane you you are very very minimal exposure to it um so no i think i think it would be ignorant for me not to touch on that and not to say oh yes yeah, so there's some crazy stuff that happens here at these conventions but i want to push back and i want to say that is not furry specific that is not furry specific um at pax i've seen some crazy unwholesome stuff that was not regulated like it was at a convention that was not pg that was not clearly marked as pg that was um i still have nightmares about it <laughs> that's that's not a furry specific thing that you will find unwholesome very crazy things at these conventions and if you're looking for it, you'll find it. But I think again, at PAX, where you have hundreds of tables, hundreds of vendors, you will see some crazy stuff. If you go to these other conventions, like if you go to a Star Wars convention, you'll see some very crazy artwork of some very creative fan fiction. Um, it's, it's, it's not furry specific. The media likes to pounce on furry specifically for some of the unwholesome parts of it. Uh, but that's largely because these furries are very easy to like cause attention towards themselves they're they're big colorful costumes they're big uh, you know people that don't talk that we don't know who they are there's a mystique to it um it's 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 much much more intriguing than i would i would consider star wars uh conventions to be much more mainstream these days oh i'm going to a trekkie convention okay that's that's fine i'm going to a furry convention wait a second that's weird that's strange that's that's unwholesome you're gonna you're gonna probably something terrible is going to happen to you there sorry i was thinking about the wording that would be appropriate um but no i think um i think i think there's a lot of misconception that this only happens at furry conventions um this does not happen at furry conventions only have you ever been to an anime convention yeah oh yeah it happens there 
Oh yeah, especially at the anime conventions. Um, not only at anime conventions, but have you ever been to something relating to sports? Sports is sometimes very unwholesome. You have some very, like, those people. Um, Uncle Kage calls those people Uncle Frank. Um, his words, not mine. He says that it's kind of like that one relative at the family reunions that you don't let the kids go near uh, because he's a little crazy. And um, you do have those Uncle Franks at the convention. You just don't go near him. You just kind of stay in your lane. But you can still attend the family reunion without bumping into Uncle Frank and without, you know, you can say, hi, Uncle Frank, yeah, whatever. Um, no, no one really... Uh, a lot of people are like, Uncle Frank, can you just, you know, keep that to yourself? And uh, at these conventions, you know, people, if, if they want to do something unwholesome, they will go up to their room. And uh, that's that's actually very, very uh, common that you'll see at these conventions is they'll say, hi, if you're going to do something crazy, not here, not in, like, not on the con floor, not anywhere, just in your room, in your private, consensually. Um, and that usually, as Uncle Kage mentioned in the interview, he said that usually puts people that want to do crazy, unwholesome stuff, usually kind of puts them in their place and they don't end up showing up anyways. Uh, but those that do want to show up that are part of that stuff, um, to each their own, if that's what they're into, that's fine. I think if they're consenting to it, sure. Um, then they're doing it up in their rooms and it's, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um trying to think of what else happens at a convention um there's a lot of dance competitions and when i say dance competitions i don't mean like watch me do this little like ballerina routine or like this little like oh i think i can dance and it's just it's cringy no these are like borderline professional dancers some of them actually are professional dancers and they're dancing in these gloriously beautiful suits and it is incredibly eye-catching. It is incredibly wonderful to watch. Um, I, I have no problem sitting down and watching one of these for three hours as they go for, and just watching them just absolutely kill it on the dance floor. Um, it is always a highlight to the convention. The, the line for these, convention, for, for, for these uh, dance competitions will usually be several hundred people long, and it starts lining up several hours before the convention, just because of how popular and how, uh, how amazingly these like, dance competitions are run. They're, they're, they're beautiful, they're such a highlight. Furries love to dance, and they do a very good job at it. Um, something else that you might see at one of these conventions is you might see uh, some larger panels that are not necessarily structured, but are still kind of highlights. Um, I would consider these a cross between a, a seminar panel, where we're talking about art, we're talking about STEM, we're talking about... Uh, I was at a panel that was talking about mythical lore, um, but not necessarily the size of some of these bigger conventions. You might have furry games where they're talking about uh, they're beating each other up with pool noodles or something on the, on, on the dance floor in the main ballroom. Uh, they might do uh, A&E's Got Talent, which is Anthony Winkler's Got Talent, and they're, you know, doing specialized things. Um, probably one of the greatest uh, versions of what I would call an activities panel, uh, where it's not really a panel, but it's not really a big main event. It's more of an activity that kind of happens in the kind of in-between was the uh, Kaigu crushing, I forget what it was called, but 
basically in one of the ballrooms they set up this cardboard box city painted it with detail and created this i would say 20 by 20 square and they set up this structure and you know it was big and they had props and they had all this stuff and they would have one furry who would be the villain and one furry who would be the hero and this villain would go in start knocking over buildings and you know cause problems and you know kind of living the monster dream and then uh, and then the, the the hero would come up and you know kind of playfully wrestle them around and throw buildings at them and I just these people were having a blast and it was it was so funny to watch a purple sphinx battling a pink coyote uh, while on this like giant like surrounded by cardboard box cities um I, I can't tell you how amusing that was to watch and it's it, it's fun and they're enjoying themselves everyone around them is enjoying themselves it's loud it's big it's fun they 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 set up you know this little gate that the hero comes out of with this little blinky light on top of it they they, they it's it's very very well organized and it's hilarious to watch um that's that's where i've had some great memories actually because that that right there is a convention favorite um so that's that's what happens at a furry convention it is very very pg um generally speaking it is very very pg in terms of the mainstream stuff that you see will be pg uh to the point where at these dance competitions the songs that they're dancing to they the, they actually cut out any language in it so i distinctly remember that they're playing some ajr songs love ajr myself but ajr has a tendency to throw you know a stray word here or there into it kind of poetically and just because of the audience uh there, there were a lot of kids in the audience they they you know kind of cut that out not bleeped it out because that would ruin everything but you know they they kind of omitted it entirely from the song and i'm like wow they, they really take this pg seriously um you have it is it is not uncommon to see kids walking around with their parents and i'm talking all ages um i, I didn't see any infants of course because that's just kind of overstimulating but you have kids you know six and up running around in fursuits and you know with their parents who are you know not necessarily wearing like anything distinguishing them as furries because you know the parents likely aren't involved in it but it is it is not uncommon to see kids at these conventions um, i think i think that's a big thing that a lot of furries don't realize i think it's just these old men um who are horny and really unwholesome just doing stupid things but no it's 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 uh i would say mainly college students and uh, younger demographic as well. There is no age limitation to furry. There, you could be as young as you want, you could be as old as you want, there is no age limitation. Uh, if you're older, you might get called a gray muzzle, which is just a technical term, which means uh, older member of the community. That's not a bad word. That's not slang that means anything terrible. It's just you're, you're a gray muzzle. That's just what you are uh, for, for hope obvious reasons. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else happens at these conventions they're they're very tame um as the hours go into the night you might see some uh some of those uncle frank panels as i would call them some of the you know okay this is 18 and up kind of panels uh, but that's very clearly distinguished that this is what this panel is this is what we're talking about and this is what's happening um generally the panels are very, very mainstream and they might say oh yeah this is wholesome you don't have to worry about anything here uh, but again, I don't think that's specific to furry. I've seen many, many conventions where they say, hi, this is an 18 plus panel because we're going to be, 
you know, doing this kind of stuff or talking about this, or, you know, this, this might not, not necessarily be something the kids might want to attend. Uh, but it's usually very, very explicit. You, I, I find it, I'm, I'm not gonna say that I don't stumble across things at these conventions, uh, because I do, but it, it's, it's happening less and less frequently that I'll stumble across something where I'm like, oh, I did not need to see that because it's so very well regulated and it's so very well kind of partitioned off and controlled. Um, I think, I think these conventions are doing an excellent job at this. I mentioned this in a previous episode, but if you ever have the chance, go and look at some of these convention websites. Uh, conventions that I, uh, a convention that I attended would be Anthro New England. You can go check out their website, or you can look at, um, AnthroCon, which is probably the most notable convention that and Midwest Fur Fest. And you can look at these websites and I encourage you to go look at their, um, uh, statement of conduct, um, and also go look at their security. Just, just, just look at some of the nitty gritty stuff, and you'll see how seriously they take some of the security. How seriously they take um, what is regulated, what is not, in terms of wholesomeness, and where you can and cannot do it. Um, they, they, they talk about um, kind of what the theme is going to be. If hey, this is more of a mature convention, then this is what it's going to be themed as you know, kind of big red flags of where, hey, mature convention, mature convention. Um, but at some of these more wholesome conventions, like I would say Anthrocon and any, I haven't been to any of the other ones, but uh, these ones are very, very kind of clearly regulated. And I encourage you to go check out some of those regulations if you're ever like, what happens at a furry convention? And, you know, it's crazy and unwholesome. Again, if you look at the schedule, you'll see some 18 plus stuff. Absolutely. But I encourage you to look at some of the other convention schedules for some other conventions like PAX or Star Wars or Star Trek or what have you. And I encourage you to see if there are any 18 plus panels at those as well. Um, but it, it is very, very clearly marked and uh, it is it is not all crazy. I don't want the takeaway for this episode to be, we're doing it because they're doing it. That's, that's not what it is. It's a, you can't single out one fandom because all the other fandoms are doing it. You, you, you just, you can't, it's, it's, it doesn't really offer much justification to the fandom. It's, it's not really, uh, it just, it's, it's kind of very targety. It's, it's very, very kind of unfortunate that this happens. People are like, oh, a furry convention, you know, you see, uh, absolutely there are horror stories that the media ties upon. Um, I think something happened in an elevator, yeesh, at like an earlier convention in California, and everyone just kind of is like, that's not me. Um, a lot of these things that happen do not represent the majority of furries. The majority of furries are very wholesome and want to just have a good time. And, you know, if you're of age, they, you might say, hi, let's go to a local bar and let's go get drinks. On that note, I also want to talk about what happens uh, to the cities that these conventions are held in. These cities make a ton of money off of the tourism that these conventions bring in. The city of Pittsburgh, at the last gathering, brought in $9 million in tourism revenue from Anthrocon alone. It is incredible to see the economics that are at play here. It's not just people showing up in animal costumes and you know, going crazy. It's, there's a lot that happens in terms of the economics as well. The economic impact is astounding. And the city of Pittsburgh welcomes Anthrocon with open arms. I don't know how Boston does with uh, Anthro New England, but I know that Pittsburgh very specifically 
um, welcomes Anticon with, with, with open arms. Um, Uncle Kage shared a story that, you know, w w one of the first times that Anthro uh, Anthrocon showed up at Pittsburgh, he was like, I don't know how the city is going to react to us. I don't know if we're going to be shunned by these, like, shop owners or if, you know, the public's going to be like, I hate this. Why is this happening in my city? And I'm sure that there are those people. But he said that he found chalk out on the, the sidewalk on the first day and the little paw prints leading to one of the stores. The city, or at least this store, and it, it's not uncommon to see art in the windows of like anthro-based art um, in, in recent years, but the city wel has welcomed them with open arms and it's really, really cool to see that. Um, I'm sure that Boston is still getting there. Anthro New England is fairly young uh, in regards to some of these other conventions that have been going for decades. But uh, the city of Boston, I'm sure, is hoping to welcome them with open arms, just again, because you have the economic impact. I just, when Anthro New England was held, I couldn't walk into a, uh, a convenience store or a restaurant without seeing a few people with tails, just because it is so very prominent like it just it spreads out into the city and it's, it's really really cool to see um something else kind of a fun haha -ha note is uh at these conventions at furry conventions specifically you will see a fursuit parade so this is where everyone who has a fursuit kind of gathers around and they kind of parade around the city it's it's not a ha look at me i'm awesome kind of thing it's just uh you know people love seeing fursuits um people love taking pictures with fursuits and uh they in boston they go down to the commons and they take a big group photo and you know hey look at you know these few hundred you know several thousand furries that showed up and uh we're just going to commemorate this so you may also see if you ever see a very large gathering of furries walking down the street uh that is a likely a very organized and very well regulated fursuit parade that is happening uh at a, at a convention so that's that's everything i have for these conventions um again i think there's a lot of misconception a lot of stigma a lot of furries are gross furries are weird again there's some stuff on that schedule that i looked at i'm like really guys are you uh, really are you doing this um <laughs> not that i would do it myself and again if it's consensual i'm like sure yes just don't hurt yourselves um there is some stuff absolutely it's not specific to furry. Please don't single furries out for what happens at conventions, because it's not just furry. And actually, I would say in a lot of degrees that furry conventions are more wholesome than some of these other conventions. I encourage you to check out and to compare uh, a panel schedule between the Star Trek convention and the panel schedule of a furry convention. And I think you'll see a lot of uh, really, really interesting data there. So I encourage you to do some research on it, and uh, I encourage you to expand your uh, your mindset. I encourage you to open your mind in terms of, oh, okay, these conventions aren't actually that bad, uh, because they're really not. It's really, really wholesome, they, and, and, and they do a very good job of it. That's everything I have for this episode. Thank you so much for your time, and... Uh, yeah, I, I hope you do a little bit of research into these conventions. You don't have to attend one. Uh, you don't have to be a furry and attend one. Uh, that's 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 not a requirement to being one. Uh, you also don't have to uh, uh, 
basically if you're a furry you don't have to attend conventions and if you attend conventions you don't have to be a furry so if you're curious maybe just get a day pass and walk around on like a saturday and you know talk to people um the community at these conventions is astounding it's i, I could walk up to some, anyone and just say hi i would like can i give you a hug and they're like absolutely it's it's one of the most welcoming group of people that i've ever seen so i encourage you to check it out uh maybe give it a chance uh and if not at least don't hate on it please <laughs> it's not as bad as people make it out to be so thank you for your time and uh, i'll catch you in the next episode